Revitalize. Educate. Thrive. Teachers' mental health matters. In, in the, the wellness, wellness room. room. Everybody, welcome back to the Wellness Room. I'm Joanna. I'm Selena. I'm Tati. I'm Janisha. And we are the, the wellness, wellness Room. Thank you for tuning in to our second episode of the Wellness Room. If you haven't already listened to our first episode, stop what you're doing, hit the back button, and go listen to that first episode. We talk about ourselves, our whys, and just a little bit informa- a little bit of information for you to get to know us and why we're starting this podcast. Today, I'm going to be taking over for the most part. I'm Joanna. Our conversation today is going to be surrounding nourishing your mind as teachers and just as human beings as well. We know that teaching can be demanding, but it's really important for educators to prioritize all aspects of their wellness. <laughs> the first topic I would like to discuss is boundaries. I think boundaries is a really good place to start. Personally, I had a hard time setting boundaries, especially my first year of teaching. And I don't have like a lot of experience in teaching. It's just my third year. But I remember that first year was like me drowning. It was really, really difficult for me. Um, And it wasn't until I started to be a little bit more on top of you know, continuing with those boundaries that I started to feel a little bit better about myself. Let's go ahead and start the conversation with boundaries. If everybody wants to discuss maybe what boundaries mean to them or how it takes place in their life. I think um, as first year teachers or just new teachers in general, you're always given the advice that you have to set boundaries and that it is so, so crucial And I do definitely agree. I wish I would have taken the advice earlier. (laughs) And I tried. I think with the program that we're in too, Teach for America, if you've never been in it or never been in in an alternative route like this, you're not going to understand what we mean when you say like you're literally drowning and trying to just like fight to stay afloat. Because that's what it feels like. You know, within your first two years, you are just learning how to teach. You go into teaching not knowing how to teach. Mm-hmm. You ha- we had the summer to learn and it was in a very unrealistic setting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you had to learn as you go. You're literally swimming through like a current. And at the same time, you're going and getting your master's. You're trying to just figure out that work-life balance. And it's a work-life balance that I think is not typical of most careers because it just never stops. You can never just leave it and never have to see it again. Yeah, I think it was a lot. It was like a work-school-life balance. Right? Yes, because we were three different working, things. Yeah, we were working full-time. We were going to school, getting our, mas- our master's full-time. And then we also were supposed to have a life outside of that. So I think that was really... Like self-care. <laughs> What's that for you? Yeah, yeah how? Boundaries. <laughs> how can I do that? I think to go off of what Selena said about being in an alternative program you know if you do a regular like education major you're a little more prepared versus I think a lot of us were not so I think a boundary I had to learn was leaving work at work as hard as it is I have to do it and I've seen such a difference in my mental health and I think doing that means like something you touched on in the last podcast like 
doing stuff on my prep instead of socializing or like messing around I have to actually do stuff on my prep or like I go to school a little bit earlier but that way I can leave right after work or like not that long after you know our contract ends so then when I do have days where I'm like okay I need to get this done it doesn't feel as bad because I'm not taking work home every day where I used to be up till 10 lesson planning or doing IEPs or just your mind's always running. You're always thinking about work. You're always thinking about school and your students. But I think taking the time to just leave it at work um, has really helped me. And another thing is not answering emails. Like it bugs me so much. People email me after work when I'm like, no, I'm not going to respond. I'm going to wait until I get back to work. It's a boundary. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. So <laughs> I think that's something that has really helped me. For me, so I started teaching America, like my fourth or fifth year teaching, like mm-hmm. into teaching already. That's and then you asked like, what, uh, what boundaries look like the first year? And the first year, I think straight out of college, like personally, I didn't have, I didn't know what boundaries, I didn't <laughs> right. set boundaries. So as a teacher, when I think about the environment that I started teaching in, uh, knowing like as a student, it was kind of a similar environment. So we were at school from 725 to 5. Uh, kids had access. All the teachers had cell phones. They could call their teachers until I think it was 8 or 9 o'clock at night for like homework help. And so when I started teaching, that was normal. So this idea of boundaries, like I absolutely not. Please don't call me after 5 o'clock. Like if it's an emergency, call me. But please don't. Like let's <laughs> not do that. Uh, but at the time, like it just, I didn't know what a boundary was. And so I just, I, burnout happened yes. quickly because it was always, we had school all day, 725, five o'clock, we're answering the phones, lesson planning, like you're going to be up all night lesson planning. Like that is normal. That is a part of this. And I think the idea of success was tied to being up all night, mm-hmm. working on the weekends, working yes. through Sunday and yes. then getting up and doing it all again Monday. And so it just, what is a boundary? Like, it just, it wasn't even a thought my first year teaching. Yeah. So, what the way I like to think about boundaries is, like, they're non-negotiables. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, this is what I'm saying, and this is what I'm going to do, right? And Tati kind of brushed on it, how she has her boundaries of not answering emails. So, what are some boundaries that you guys put in place for yourselves now? A new boundary that I have is I'm trying to work less on the weekends. I did a really good job the past two weekends. I didn't do anything, <laughs> like nothing work related. Um, and I was traveling so much like the past couple of months. So I kind of had no choice to be like overly prepared. That way I didn't have to stress about anything over the weekend because I really couldn't do it. And I was like, wow, this feels really nice to have everything just like done. Because I was so used to spending every weekend just doing my work, grading, lesson planning, And it didn't feel like a weekend. It felt like I was working seven days a week. And I don't know, like my first couple years, like I would literally stay at work till like eight or nine o'clock sometimes. Like it was so crazy. It's like embarrassing, actually. And even at the beginning of this year, I was doing that because I was wanting to just be so prepared. I was wanting to be so successful and do right by my kids that I did so wrong by myself or of myself to myself. I don't even know how you, how to say that, but mm-hmm. 
like I didn't feel like I could survive. And it almost felt worse than my first two years of having to balance Teach for America, UNLV teaching and my like just home life. It felt worse. Like I never felt a burnout that way. My first two years obviously were really tough. But for some reason, like this year, the beginning just felt different. And so I knew I had to get my boundaries really, really right. But the thing with the boundaries is like you have to have really good discipline because it's one thing to make non-negotiables and it's another thing to actually have them be non-negotiables. So I don't really even know what mine are yet, but I feel like I've been testing out different ways of making things work, like staying after school for an hour or an hour and a half and not having to take anything home Mm -hmm. and seeing does that feel better than taking my work home and leaving right away and doing it at home Mm -hmm. you know like because for right now I'm not sure because I'm doing different things but I feel like staying at staying at work a little bit extra Mm -hmm. and then leaving like maybe like at five even 445 feels better to me than taking it home I don't know what it is about like taking everything with me that just feels like and then once I get home I'm not even doing it (laughs) I lay down because I'm tired and then I never open the laptop up or when I do it's 1030 and then I'm like what's the point what is the point so for right now my boundaries are in the works (laughs) another boundary I thought of when you were talking is when I am out sick I don't do any work Mm -hmm. and that was really hard or I would be texting like my assistant oh how's everything going I'm like no I'm off today or I'm out today I'm not going to think about it times have changed (laughs) (laughs) I got a strong no I have a strong no that I think I'm working through um I reached out to um one of my favorite people Uh, she's actually a therapist in Tennessee and um, she's like my sister friend. And so we were talking about boundaries and I was just asking her, like, what do you what do you communicate to your clients? Like, what is a boundary? And so one of the first things that she said at, at Faye Bledsoe, just plugging her in there. So go look her up on IG. Um, but one of the things she said is that boundaries is a way of you communicating to people um, how to treat you. And so even thinking about that in the workspace, I think it's been a journey of identifying for myself like how do I want the people around me to treat me how do I want the people to respect who I am as a person outside of this um and the other thing that she was mentioning was that it's not other people's responsibility to necessarily adhere to whatever your boundary is it's your responsibility for yourself to uphold it and so I think for now for me it's self-care like the boundaries are in a form of self-care for me. And so it may be, I'm not responding to these emails until I get to school tomorrow, or I'm not answering my phone. If I'm on, if I'm sick or if I'm away, I, if I'm feeling it, then I'll do that. But if I don't have it in me, like it's me being able to say, no, it may be one day. It just, it looks different every day. One day it may be, I'm not, I can't take this home because it's already been a long day. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for me, knowing I have girls and, you know, trying to get them ready in the evenings, like it just, it might look different day to day, but it's me naming what my no is, or I'll get back to it, or not dropping everything in that moment. If somebody asks for something, 
I'm not dropping what I'm doing or stopping what I'm doing. If I'm out for brunch or something and I get a message, hey, can you do this? Or, hey, can you look at this? I will. And I'll name when I'll be able to do that. But it's the feeling of like, I don't have to stop what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. It's okay. I'm taking care of like, this is a way of me taking care of me. When you said like times have changed, what do you mean by that? As a person, as teacher, teacher, um, like I think just the journey of learning what boundaries are and what that looks like for me. I think at different points in my career, what a boundary is, and the boundaries that I was like comfortable with upholding, because we talked about it the last on the last episode, just not feeling guilty mm -hmm. and not feeling bad. And then also learning to effectively communicate what my boundaries are. Mm -hmm. I don't have to have an attitude about it. I don't have to um, be nasty about it. I don't have to do any of that. But I can respectfully say this is this is what I need to do for me. And where you, you know, we're going to let everything else fall where it may. But like this is what has to be true for me or this is what will not be true for me. So that's change. That's what I mean. I ask that because I think a lot of veteran teachers have a different perspective. I mean, at the beginning of the year, like I was saying, I was really struggling and they could see it. Like they would ask me a lot of questions and try to be a support. Like, what can I take off your plate? And I'm like, what can you? You can't. What, you, what realistically can you take off my plate? It's nothing. Like these things are things that I have to do. They're the little annoying tasks as a teacher that you are responsible for doing, which who cares about an SLPP? But for mm -hmm. some reason they do. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like you can look up that data anywhere else. But like when I would go and tell them how I was feeling, the feedback that I got back or what I got in response was like, Oh, it was so much worse when I was teaching. <laughs> oh, it was it was um, the craziest year ever. And I thought I was going to die. I wasn't going to make it. But, you know, every year's different. You have the worst years of your life. And then the next year could be good. And I'm just like, is that supposed to be um, helping me? Is that supposed to set my mind at ease? No, I, I think like, the newer generation of teachers are willing to push back and are willing to have those conversations of boundaries mm -hmm. because we're not okay with this type of work-life balance. Yeah. We're not okay with work being our entire life. Mm -hmm. And I love that for us. <laughs> I love that we are the generation that pushes back yeah. because who else is going to do it? I'm not normalizing this kind of lifestyle. And I think a lot of people do. And they're just like, well, it is what it is. It comes with the job. And, but I don't feel like it has to. I feel like there's a way to make everything work. And we have to figure out, like, what are things that teachers have to do? And what are things that, like, maybe that's not really something we should be making them do. Is that really necessary to spend an hour doing that type of report or doing this when, like, the data can be in one place, easy, yeah. easy access, you know? It's just like there's all these little tasks that we have to do that make it just even, even worse, you know? So then we have to set all these crazy boundaries. And I don't know. I just feel like there, there's a way that we can have all of it. Just nobody's willing to try because nobody pushes hard enough. Mm -hmm. I think so to your point about like veteran teachers opposed to like this new generation of teachers. Um, I think the other thing is like 
teachers now have a better understanding of like who they are as people. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about some of the veteran teachers that you work with or that you may know, when you look at their personal lives, mm-hmm. right? And no shade to veteran teachers at this point, I might be one, right? <laughs> but at what point? No shade, but this generation is just when you think about mental health, when you think about like, obviously we're sitting here having these conversations. It just wasn't conversations that was being had. And so they did not talk about it personally, career-wise, any of that. So I think this is, we're ahead of the game at this point. Um, Things are definitely going to, going to change because of these conversations and because of recognizing like either this doesn't have to be done right now, or this hasn't, doesn't have to be done like this. If you write an I- IEP, listen. <laughs> if you need to use chat GPT or what is it, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> do what you need to do. Like there are other ways yeah. and it doesn't have to be you burning yourself out or reaching this point of burnout. And I don't know at what point we tie success to the lack of boundaries and burnout and all of that, but we, we want to stop it. <laughs> that's why we have so much teacher or so many issues with teacher retention Mm -hmm. because there's a lack of boundaries you know and And i demand for us to do like impossible work how do we how do we encourage teachers people that are listening what does it look like to start that process of even identifying what boundaries you need to set for yourself Mm -hmm. that should come with when you're learning how to be a teacher you know like for Teach for America, for example, they they did touch on that, but I think you don't really know until you're in it either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there are some things that it's advice given to you, like, oh, you should set a boundary for this. You should have a plan for your mental health. But then they don't like you don't really know until you're in the field and all these things are like happening and all these responsibilities are just piling up and you're like, oh, shoot, how do I go back to that? plan that I made for myself um so maybe like having that be a part of like what you guys model just like how we do um like teaching a lesson in front of other people like acting out scenarios of like if this were to happen what would you do to step in to support your boundary you know or support yourself yeah Mm -hmm. how do you support yourself how do you continue to show up well I think that touches on like the next topic that I want to discuss, which is mindfulness, right? So yes, we're talking about boundaries, but you brought up a great question. Like how do we even know what boundary we need, right? And I think that comes with knowing yourself. And I don't know, sometimes it's difficult because it depends person to person. You know, I could be dealing with something completely different at my school than Selena is at her CCSD school, right? So practicing mindfulness. um, What is mindfulness? So mindfulness is a powerful tool for managing stress and promoting your well-being. Prioritizing our headspace is such a daunting task. I feel like sometimes that's the last thing that I want to practice, especially when we have so much work to do. We just want to get that work done. However, creating space for mindfulness in your life can be crucial for your teacher well-being, right? Right. Overall. Um, One way that I like to practice mindfulness is, this is like a new thing for me. I'm trying to hit the gym three to four times a week. (laughs) Trying is the key word. (laughs) Um, But I think 
I didn't really know how much working out helps me until I tried it. And I think it helps me so much because it helps me block out everything else that's going on. Like my task is to focus on this workout that I'm doing right now. And I go to classes. So I really got to focus in on the trainer, see what they're doing. Like if they're doing like a little spin, so do I. So I got to pay attention and I zone everything out. And I think that really helps me um, like just clear my mind. I think that's my biggest problem like my mind is going 24 7 Mm -hmm. even when I'm laying in bed Mm -hmm. so to have something that is distracting me Mm -hmm. is such a big burden off my shoulders I can go off of that too so I also really enjoy working out and I've seen just a huge difference in not only my mental health but just my energy like Mm -hmm. after I work out I feel so good versus the days where I go straight home and I don't do anything. I'm just like dead to the world. Mm -hmm. So I also, I block out everything or if I've had a rough day, I'm on that treadmill. I'm running. (laughs) 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 Like it's just, it's really nice. Um, And I, it's something I do for me. It's not for anybody else. It's something that I Mm -hmm. do for me. And so it's really rewarding for me as well. So enjoy it. I think you have to picture what kind of life you want to live. That's like what I've been into lately. I'm like, okay, how do I want to live my day-to-day life? Do I want to feel peaceful? Do I want to feel like I am cozied up in a corner reading a book? Which I have been. This is huge, you guys. (laughs) I'm a teacher and I've gone through, you know, grad school, undergrad. And this is embarrassing, but I never read a book front to back. Like in all seriousness, I I hope nobody's really, really listening. But like <laughs> I, I I cheated my way through a lot. Not cheated, cheated, but like <laughs> I'm, I'm such a good oh god, I'm such a good BSer. BSer that I was able to like, you know, skim something and have a whole conversation about it. It's a skill of mine. Am I proud of it? A little bit. But <laughs> did it bite me in the ass? Yes, it did. That's a strength, girl. It It is. It is. No, it definitely is. But like once I went to college, I was like, oh, I got a for real work for it, too. But I still didn't change my ways. Like I was never a reader. And then I picked up this book called Heartbones by Colleen. Hoover. Yes, Colleen Hoover. Mystery. When I tell you my life has forever changed. The next day, I got like maybe 30 pages in. And to me, I was like, yo, I read 30 pages. <laughs> like, it was the craziest thing. And right after that, like the next day, I spent like $80 on books on Amazon. And I got really excited because I was like, I want to live this life. I want to read. I want that to be what puts me to sleep. Because like what you said, like your mind is going a million miles an hour. I feel that. I felt that every day the past three years of my life. Like I'm in bed and I'm like, oh my God, I should have graded that. Mm. Why did I sit this person next to this person? Like I'm just like going through all these scenarios and like all these things that I didn't do while I'm trying to sleep. And I don't think I've had a restful sleep in three years. And I, I used to have to medicate myself like to melatonin in order to sleep. I was doing sleep hypnosis, which I do. I do like that. I'm not going to lie. It's a little creepy and people don't like when I suggest it. 
But the first time that I did it, I had the best sleep of my life. But reading instead of using technology before going to bed has been like one of the biggest things that I've realized. Like I needed to to realize like that technology and just that light in my eyes mm-hmm. at the hour that I'm looking at it is literally programming my brain in a different way, you know? And I had just learned something like last week. They said that there's certain times where your brain has to recognize that that light is now going to darkness and you're ready for bed. And if you keep manipulating that with technology and TV and stuff like that, or you staying up, you're literally not giving your body what it needs. And I felt that every single day I'd wake up and I was like, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. And so I just hated being at work. I hate it. I'm not saying I don't necessarily hate it, but I don't dislike it as much because I've been reading. I'm literally putting my phone away and I'm letting my mind just like get in lost into my book. Like your mind gets lost into your workout. Mine's getting lost into my book. And I'm like falling in love with the characters and I'm speaking more passionately about reading to my kids and I'm telling them like what I'm going through with my book. And I don't know, it's just been amazing. And I had to be more mindful of like the kind of life that I want to live. Don't want to live a life where I'm constantly just like racing, racing, racing. Mm-hmm. Some places where you live, like in California, back where I used to live in the Bay, like everything moves so fast. And I know I don't want that kind of life. I don't want that like fast pace, always doing something like I just I don't think it needs to be like that. I want to feel relaxed. I want to enjoy my life and my experiences and just kind of like let things happen. Your books have helped me and I'm so happy. Love it. Welcome to my world. I love reading. You're so, oh, really? Sweet. So I have a lot of books if you ever want to borrow a book. Yeah. Okay. I love that. What does that look like for me? So I'm not a reader. <laughs> and we just throw it out there. So, you know, I'll let you uh, borrow Heartbone and maybe your mouth will change. <laughs> no, I think in maybe in the last six months, um, it's, I feel like it's necessary. I think I understand why it's necessary. That's a whole thing that, yeah. Growing up, we had to read a lot in school. And so as an mm-hmm. adult, I just, I was cool on it. Like, that's not my, <laughs> that ain't my thing. But I'm so grateful just for my circle of friends because I feel like I had a therapist friend, a friend who's very (laughs) mindful um, and intentional. So you mentioned like, how do I want to start the day? How do I want to feel? What type of life do I want? And so my friend, Daryl, shout out to her as well. Um, She like sat me down and helped me create like evening rituals. Like this is for one, she had me write down my schedule, and that was humbling for me because uh, I was like, I had 17 of hours out of my entire day is either work or like all these other things. So at what point do I sleep? At what point, you know, and so that really helped me like planning things. I had to get a planner, um, planning things, writing down like my routines and my rituals for the evening. And then like you say, like, how do I want to I don't want to feel. And so for me in the mornings, like prayer and just spending time in worship and talking to God, if I don't do it, you're probably going to feel it. You're probably going to see it. My kids, my students say it all the time, like, oh, mm -mm, no, you you need to go. You need to start over. You need to try. (laughs) Uh, And so for me, that is that is it. I've also been really intentional about taking time off 
and taking time off and being mindful of the relationships that I have with people. And so I don't know if this is true for y'all, but some friendships, you just got to know your, your friendships. So some of them pull on you a whole lot. And that's just, that's just it is what it is. Um, some of them are spaces where you restore like it it fuels you it refuels you it pours back into you so i've been really mindful about taking the time and like spending the time in spaces here and with people shout out to Takia too cuz i took off last week i needed to recover but i know that's my person that's going to assist in me recovering and so just being mindful of like what purpose different friends serve and like letting them Letting it be that, letting the relationship be that. And it's helped me a lot. I felt that like in my heart when mm-hmm. you said that. And it made me reflect on like my <laughs> friendships. That that feels crazy. To like think about who pulls and who restores. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I am somebody who restores for a lot of people. And it pulls a lot from me. Mm. You know, I love to do it because it's always what I've done, but it is also sometimes exhausting. Like on top of the things that already exhaust me. Yeah. Oof, Janisha. What boundaries, right? So going back <laughs> to bringing it back to boundaries and talking with my friend Isha, that was another thing she was saying, like in your relationships, right? Like you can be flexible in the boundaries you said. So the example she gave was, if for you, your phone goes on do not disturb after nine o'clock, mm-hmm. then the people that you're connected to, whether it's friendships, family, whatever it is, then they they know like, OK, don't call after nine o'clock. But if it's an emergency mm-hmm. because of you being the person that always you know pours into other people, then you may be flexible and be like, OK, well, this is an emergency. Like, so it's OK. Yeah. But baby, listen. We might have to start setting these boundaries in these relationships and these friendships because it is exhausting, but it impacts every other part of our life, how we show up at work, how we show up with the person next to us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so identifying that, I think, is a crucial thing too. going back to boundaries and then also tying it with mindfulness, like the relationships that you have, the relationships and how you what people are you connected to and how is it? How is it pulling from you or how is it serving you? Yeah, like who fills your cup, right? Who fills your cup? Sometimes you'll be okay with giving somebody like a drop from your cup, right? But don't be letting them drain your cup, you know? Yeah, I like that. It's like, how do you ask people to fill yours? Like for me, I, I, I have seen my personal wellness as like a chore for majority of my life. You know, and I think if you're somebody who feels that like, oh, setting these boundaries, writing um, things down, doing things in a planner, if that is a chore for you, you have to unlearn that. And I think I'm in that process right now of instead of that being something that feels like an extra task, which I think it could easily feel that way. Like you have to you have to know, like you're creating the life that you want for yourself. And those things are going to feel so amazing when they are done. But you might lose people in the process and your life could look significantly different. Some things might be different in maybe a not so good way or it feels uncomfortable at first. Mm -hmm. But I think 
eventually you're going to get to this point where you're like, this is the life I've always desired. And you're the only one who can make that happen. You know, like you can't put your happiness in in the hands of other people. Other people are not responsible for me being joyful or me experiencing these things. I have to ultimately be able to make that happen for myself. And that is putting, putting yourself in the right spaces, putting yourself, you know, around the right people. I have just been like neglecting that for so long. And even lately, I feel like my relationships with my family and my friends have been put like on the back burner. And I don't want that to to happen anymore because those relationships fill my cup. And because I they're on the back burner, it's like my cup's not being filled anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm enjoying relaxing and not having to do anything, but that's not filling my cup. That's kind of just leaving me at a standstill, mm-hmm. you know? You, and you said that earlier and I was going to ask when you were talking about what the gym is for you. And it raises this question about like mindfulness and does it help you kind of take your mind off of things or does it help you navigate through what you need to navigate through? And if it is not both, then like what, how do we identify those things? So if me going to the gym is helping me, like you said, like it's, uh, I'm, I'm able to block out everything that's going on around me for the 30, 45 minutes, once I get back into it, what are the things or who are the people that are supporting me and actually navigating what's still there? Because even with me taking my mind off mm-hmm. of it, it's still there. Yeah. Like when you come back, you're still going to be stressed again. Yeah. Everything's going to start over. Yeah. So how do we navigate this differently so that every time it shows back up, like I'm not still stressed about it or I know how to manage me in it? I can. Mm-hmm show up differently I feel like it helps me manage things better because I go from like this really like anxious stress state after work to like going to the gym helps me kind of calm down relax and then by the time I get home I can kind of deal with things in a more relaxed so it's like shifting your mindset yes it's bringing you into a state of being able to handle the things that you need to handle and I feel like especially working out and stuff it's like okay if I can get through that (laughs) like I feel like I can handle a lot more like it makes you feel good and then you feel confident you feel like you can accomplish anything yeah that's all well that's really real for like any any teacher because you can't go and take things off of your plate if they're given to you like if they're tasks that you have to do you got to do them so like how do you take all those things and still be able to balance that that work life that you want without having to take things away that you can't take away, you know. And I it kind of reminds me of um, oh my god at the event that I that I just spoke at uh, the twenty year reunion for TFA. Someone spoke about having um, a having a really like strategic plan, and it's kind of like when we're planning for curriculum think about like that end goal by the end of this lesson or by the end of this unit this is what we're supposed to know this is what we're supposed to do now how do we get there um so i think maybe like having that strategic plan for your life yeah backwards (laughs) planning but for your life you know like like for you like you johnisha you have a family none of us none of us have kids besides you 
and I couldn't imagine. <laughs> I couldn't. Like, I swear I could not imagine. But one day I do want that, you know? And so, like, when I think about, okay, I want to have a family. I want to be married. I want to have kids one day. Like, I need that to be my priority. Work is not going to be my priority. My priority is me. Yeah. Then my family. Come on. Then my work, you know? Because it has to be. How how can we be good for people if we are not good? And th- that conversation sparked literally everything for us when we first met. You know? Yeah. Isn't that what, what it yeah. did? Like, honestly, talking about that, that one statement, like, how can we show up for our kids if we can't show up for ourselves or if we're not okay? That's literally what sparked us wanting to do this podcast. Mm-hmm. And like even us being able to like listen to each other, give ideas or talk about your own experiences. It's making me think of like all the things that I can do in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, like seeing you guys being able to make that stuff happen or even the people listening to our podcast. If you're struggling with things like that, being able to hear what real teachers are doing. This is not no ad. This is not (laughs) like this is really things that we're doing. And it's real and it's raw because we're not saying it's perfect and we're not saying we got it right the first time. And even that we're getting it right right now because everything's trial and error. But I think just like having those ideas and having those conversations helps you like figure out like, okay, these are things that I got to try. And sometimes something might seem like you need it to be a boundary and maybe it ends up not really having to be a boundary. It's not that important. And maybe other things are the opposite where you're like, oh, I didn't realize this was a boundary until I experienced it you know you gotta have those people that like instead of it it just being a complaining session those can easily drain me Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys feel that way Mm -hmm. but it can easily drain me because I'm just like I don't want to feel like even worse about this situation like talking talking all this stuff doesn't help me you know like it is what it is they gave us this information what am I going to do what am I going to do about this? Instead of just like complaining because I can't fix anything with that. Like I have to set a plan. And so I think people don't realize like how draining those kinds of conversations can be because we've normalized talking smack and doing all these things. And, you know, working in a school can really feel like you're a student <laughs> because of everybody, you know, talking. I've been somebody who started it. I've been, you know, a part of those conversations, but it, like, I've realized now, like, it is draining. Mm-hmm. It just makes you angry at the world or at the people around you. And at the end of the day, like, everybody's, hopefully, everybody is doing just what's best for the kids. Right. And, like, you have to go in with that mentality, just like, even if you don't know them that well, like, always assume the best intentions. Like, I'm not going to think that you're doing something with the intention to be mean to these kids or to not do right by them. We have to assume the best intent. So there's a reason why somebody's asking us to do something or there's a reason why we're asked mm-hmm. to try it. You know? I think like having that mentality of just like, okay, we're a team and we do what's right for the kids. We always have them first and we got to trust the process. But that kind of reminds me of our conversation from the last podcast too. Like, if you really establish that relationship as a team at your school, then people would assume the best. People would do things without, you know, hesitation because then they know like we all have the same end goal. 
Um, right. <laughs> I think as we come to just a closing place, um, mm-hmm. I think one thing that we can challenge listeners, because at this point we know it might be teachers. My grandma is like sitting <laughs> so you know, anybody. Um, <laughs> what is a boundary that you can set for yourself mm-hmm. this week? And with that boundary, what are things that you can do to support you being mindful of just the space that you're in and what you need for yourself? So if that's the gym for you, if that is reading, if that is sitting in silence, um, if that is floating, I 10 out of 10 recommend if you've never been floating, please go floating because it forces you to slow your mind down. Oh, listen. All right. Quick plug. Shout out to whoever came up with it. (laughs) No. So there's places where you go. There's 10 gallons of Epsom salt and water. It's like a little pot and you go, you can go in there. You can go in there by yourself. You can go in there with a partner. You can go in there naked. You can go in there with your swimsuit on. Ain't nobody in there but you. Um, If you're claustrophobic, I would definitely recommend keeping the lights on. Um, But they have like the calming music if you want it. And it literally is you floating, but it forces you to slow your mind down because you have to relax yourself to actually float. You're not going to drown. There's not enough water in it for you to drown, but you can easily easily find yourself tensing up and not being in the moment if you're not intentional about slowing your mind down. And so I, listen, it it humbled me for sure, (laughs) because every time I felt like I was getting ready, I would fall asleep and then I would like feel myself sinking, but I would feel myself sinking as soon as my mind like click back on and it started to race again. And so I mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 recommend it at this point. I know it's in Vegas. I think it's in Tennessee too, but like Googling definitely recommend it. What do we do? What do we put into the Google search bar? Cause I just Googled it and it was literally just showing me picture body flow, <laughs> body flow. <laughs> I don't know. Let's do it. Yes. Body flow. What popped up? Body float places. Float therapy. Float therapy. Oh, That's it. Yes. Float therapy. Try it. It will change your whole life. I um, love what you just said, though. Like how you you started sinking when your mind started racing. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. You better bring that out. Put it on a t-shirt. That's good. Put it on a t-shirt. That has anxiety. <laughs> no, it's so true. Because yeah. I will be a raging. Yeah, and you feel it too. Yes, and then I'm like, let me chill and yeah. just laugh, and yeah. then everything changes, and I'm like, I'm the problem. <laughs> I'm the problem. Right now. It's my mind. It's my it's like they're also the problem, but I'm also the problem. Me. Like it's I gotta choose my, I gotta choose my battles. Yes. <laughs> you gotta choose your battles. So, so on top of that homework that you're giving them yeah. for the boundaries. Um, if you guys have any ways that you practice mindfulness or any self-care that really work, drop them down in the comments so that we can all, um, yeah, yeah, people can get ideas. And then if you're not already following our Instagram page, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? We made an Instagram page. It is the underscore wellness room underscore podcast. Please follow us. 
and um, share this podcast with anybody that you think it's relevant to. I don't think it's just relevant for teachers. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think a lot of it can apply to just any anybody who works, anybody who's living. <laughs> so, yeah, that was amazing. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in to our second episode of The Wellness Room where we talked about nourishing your mind. Stay tuned for our episode number three coming out next month. We are so excited for you guys to be on this journey with us. And we can't wait for what is to come. So thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time in the wellness room.